You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. God was changing me right then and there in that gathering, in that conversation. And so we are seeing heaven touch earth as we gather, imperfect people gather. And so that makes me want to go back. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. We are kicking off a new series called Rhythms, and I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we have Lead Pastor Jose Amaro with us. Good morning, Taylor. Jose, good morning. Thanks for being here. And we've got Crosstalk Pastor J.D. Wilhelm in the house. J.D., it's great to have you back. So good to be back. Awesome, awesome. Jose, we'd love to give you the first word, not only hearing your thoughts on preparing for the message, but but why the series yes. and why why rhythms and why is it important, even just in the timing of the year that you picked this? Yeah, you, you got it. That's exactly why it's so important. This is almost like a new new year. We have January 1st, we kick off the year, and then we have these dates around August, September, where we kick off the school year. And even if you don't have kids, you are impacted by traffic and different flow. Uh, you know, we, we just start a new season together in the fall. And so um, I really wanted to hit these rhythms that are so important, not only for us, but they're important to God. They're important for us to honor Him. These are rhythms that He set a long time ago. And we all have a discipline. We all have a routine of some sort. Maybe your routine is really disorganized, but that's a routine. Um, or you're incredibly structured. And so uh, prioritizing God's rhythms, prioritizing these rhythms into our life. That's something that I wanted to hit at the front end rather than maybe get to October, November, and then and then start there. So uh, I read um, this passage in Matthew, Matthew 11, and, and that's where I got the angle to which we we're, were attacking this. Because mm-hmm. if you've grown up in church, you've probably felt that guilt you know, I gotta go to church. God wants me to go to church. But the why is so important. And that's what Jesus speaks to here in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me all who are weary and and heavy burdened. Uh, Take my yoke upon from you, uh, from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Did I get it? Uh, yeah, you said, for I am gentle and humble and hard. For I am gentle and, and, and you lowly. Yes. Yeah, souls, you for my yoga is easy. <laughs> there you go. So I almost. Had just, I had just pulled up. I was quizzing. <laughs> the, the point is this rest that God provides. That's what we get in return when we put these rhythms uh, in, in our lives. It's not got to. It's not have to. Uh, these are not boxes that we check off. These are rhythms that we put a place in our lives. And when we do them, we, we see, we, we receive this rest because that's what God wants us. He wants us to, to receive his freedom, his lightness, his gifts here, here on earth and Ooh. in our lives. Yeah, let's talk about that rest. And in particular, because there's kind of several different ways of gathering that you talked about on Sunday, Jose, not just Sunday morning and the significance of that, but even just in community groups. And JD, I love that you're here because I think Crosstalk has so many similarities yeah. in the sense that yeah. not only having the church involvement with Sunday gatherings, but even just in Crosstalk meeting on campus every week and then having community groups I'd love to just ask both of y'all personally, how have you experienced the truth of that Matthew 11 verse, finding rest in the Lord through community and through gathering together? Because I think about me when I hear my my kind of go-to response when I think about gathering is it's more commitments, it's more schedules, it's right. more appointments. And so usually that means the opposite of rest. And yet the way God designed it wants us to experience that. So how have y'all two experienced that? Uh, maybe not just personally, but even in your ministry as far as just seeing the way, the impact that gathering has had when it comes to rest. I mentioned this on Sunday morning, but I remember 
when I put these into practice in my life, one is my personal faith in Jesus. So, so I had faith in God, but when I started actually walking out my faith by exercising these rhythms of gathering, you know, we're talking about growing here next week, giving and going, my life really felt way freer than it did before. I, I was in shackles, um, really concerned about what other people thought about me. I, I was really uh, uh, pursuing being successful, being somebody. And then when I surrendered my life to Jesus, it's almost like I received, I, it's not almost, I did receive a new identity mm -hmm. and, and then I was compelled. So for me, those formative years in, in college were huge. Crosstalk plays yeah. a massive role in my life. I'm so grateful. It's the perfect, I think, incubator for ministry and, and identifying uh, who we are in God when, when we have more time, independence yeah. for the first time. Yeah. And so I'll never forget forget those years. Yeah, I think that when you look at what people desire out of a group or why people wanna get involved in groups, they're trying to answer two questions. They want to be in a place where they are known by others and they want to be in a place where they know others. And so when we are known by others and we know others, that creates a safe environment for us to then begin to share those burdens. And when that like yoke of trying to carry the weight of the world upon ourselves is lifted by being involved in a Christ-centered community, that's I think when we really see Jesus's words come alive because we have a community around us that speak the truth back into our life with which lightens our load. And we begin to understand that walking with Jesus is in fact freedom. But it starts when we gather because that's a safe place for us to begin to uh, dialogue about what is going on in our life and to begin to really um, see the power of others being able to enter in and to speak truth into what's really going on. Yeah, that's that's really good. I think not only just the importance of what gathering looks like, but how we gather. And I love just even talking, Jose, you mentioned just different illustrations or analogies of the church. And this isn't just a place that we come and just passively receive or just like a TV show we watch online, but it's a part that we get to participate in yeah. as far as not only knowing others, but but them knowing us as well. I love that analogy there, just talking about that. What What is so significant about the body of Christ being just that, a body of Christ, as far as that it's not just a show, it's not just simply there's kind of one pastor and then everyone else is just receiving, but, but kind of what is so important about just that idea in of itself that we all play a part in this? And why do you think that's important just for us to remember as we're gathering together? Yeah, I love that you said the word body because 1 Corinthians 12 touches on that. We didn't talk about this yeah. yesterday, yeah. but we are an organism. We're, we're a living being, the church mm -hmm. is. And so a body has many parts. So the church has many parts and we all are so important to the greater whole and the greater purpose that God has for his church. He wants to both move in our lives and he also wants to move in, in the life of his body here on earth, the church that exists <clears throat> so many different I mean, places, literally, all over the world, every city, yeah. different iterations, different flavors, different ways. Any church that calls Jesus Christ the Son of God and believes in the Word of God as true and inerrant is, is part of his precious body mm -hmm. that he wants to use to accomplish his purposes here on earth. Mm -hmm. So that's serious business, and that's exactly what happens when we gather. We're about his business. And somehow, mysteriously, wonderfully, we get to see and be a part of God moving in our lives and um, in, in, in the life of our communities as, as we, you know, practice these rhythms. 
One of my favorite kind of hallmarks of the Protestant faith is this concept called the priesthood of all believers. Mm -hmm. And what it really does is it takes the pastor or the priest off of a pedestal and places him back inside of the community. And what it does is the priesthood of all believers as a concept emphasizes that we have all been equipped for the works of ministry by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, yes, the pastor is set apart for a specific purpose and a role, yes. but there's nothing special about the pastor. That He doesn't have this special connection to God, to God that none of us have, but it's we are all empowered as members of one body, just like you said, the First Corinthians passage, where we all have different purposes and roles to play inside of this. And so that means that we get to be a part of God's mission to the world individually, that it's not set apart for certain people to be a part of that mission, but you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit and you are uniquely gifted for the work of ministry inside of the community that is the body of believers. Yeah, and that first church, they met together in the temple. So yeah. I mean, that, that was a, a mega church, 3,000 plus people all there worshiping Jesus. And then they scattered and gathered in, in small groups and homes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I love that too, because you're not gonna hear a small group service. You know, we're not gonna live stream a small group service. <laughs> you know, well, I guess we did for, for a few months. Um, but, but you know, what happens there is so intimate and it's so personal that it really only benefits those that are there. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's on purpose. That's what God wants to see. Mm -hmm. And I love that that's where we sense this knowing. I'm yeah. known and I get to know. Yeah. And that gives me buy-in. I wanna be a part of this. I wanna come back mm -hmm. next week. I wanna continue to be about this that is happening that you can't find anywhere else. I've been to some powerful small group gatherings uh, in therapy sessions and 12-step uh, programs, both Christian and non. And, and those are very, 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 very powerful. When the name of Jesus is at the center, it's a game changer. There's something that bonds you like nothing else. There's this sense of surrender from the get-go because we're all saying that we're needy and that we are uh, expecting God uh, to show up in, in some way. So that's what makes the church so fun. It's fun mm -hmm. when, when you do that and important to honor both the large gathering and the small gathering as well. How do you both remind yourself of just what you were just saying, Jose, as far as just the significance and the power that comes from those gatherings, but we have an enemy that is trying to do what he can to uh, scatter us and in a yeah. way that uh, prevent us from meeting together. Just even, I mean, you, you shared in a, in a funny way, just no offense to your group, but how there's certain times with community group where you just, you know, things are happening. It was yeah. a long day, so you don't really feel it. So maybe for some extroverts, they're like, okay, this all sounds great. But even them can get maxed out at times and be like, ah, I don't know if something's going to give in my schedule or my rhythms, maybe I'll, I'll kind of give up the church stuff. So, so how have y'all just continued to keep that at the forefront? And how have you just even practically continued to uh, just remind yourself of the significance of gathering and, and the power behind it? And Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be given to you. So if... I really focus in and I truly believe that that is the case, then it requires me to prioritize it when I don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. It requires me to just start by going through the motions and then watch God change my emotion and change uh, any, any pre, uh, any issue that I had beforehand now has gone away because I'm, I'm experiencing mm -hmm. the, the, the beauty, the rest, the goodness, the joy that comes with doing God's will. And, you know, today we're talking about gathering. That is huge for his people to come together. And like you said, it's the one thing that the enemy does want to keep 
you know, us from doing. He mm -hmm. wants us to stay disconnected, stay isolated, be cynical, be skeptical, doubt. Well, I, not, I don't know, you, you should really know <laughs> about this person. Why would you go to that group or why would you go to that church where, man, we're all imperfect. We're all gonna fall short. If, mm -hmm. if we confess that Jesus is Lord, then we need to be honest by confessing our stuff for sure. Um, and then trust that there's only one perfect one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that there is a place in the Christian faith for our emotions and our emotions are a very valid part of our spiritual life, but we cannot allow ourselves to be fully controlled by yeah. our emotions. And so when we aren't feeling like going to church, we aren't feeling like being in community with others, sometimes it's just the simple acts of obedience of mm -hmm. saying, you know what, it doesn't matter whether I feel it or not. I know that this needs to be a priority in my life. And so I'm going to choose to do it, even though I don't feel like it right now. And oftentimes when we don't feel like being in community, those are the moments we need our community the yeah, most. Right. And so we do need to just choose to lean into what's gonna be probably a little bit of forced vulnerability, some authenticity that might make us uncomfortable, especially if we're private people. But when we enter into those spaces, we give people the permission to minister to us. And mm -hmm. so sometimes as good as our emotions can be, they work against the things that God wants to do in our life through the power of our community around us. Both of y'all touched on commitment. And if I add anything, I just think about the analogy or the illustration that God could use anything to show his love for the church, but he uses marriage, which I think y'all two could speak to that more than I could. But mm -hmm. just the, the, the commitment, like y'all said, right. as far as that, yeah. even in the days where you don't feel like yeah. it or not, you know, it's just that commitment that he has for his church and his bride. And then for us as well, what does that look like for us to be committed to uh, to a body. So uh, another question I have, just I think about how people are, and you, you both alluded to it earlier, but just how we are a group of imperfect people and yet people can be the best part of gathering and they can also be the worst part. And there's hurt and there's messiness and there's all this kind of stuff that comes in when you decide to gather, when you decide to commit to a body. And so how do you two just personally mm. navigate the hurt? Because uh, we've talked about this before, but the hurt is there and it's not if, but when. And so how do you both push through hurt to continue to be committed to the body of Christ? Yeah, we're gonna let each other down. I mean, we're, we're, we're friends, we're close. I know I've let you guys down. Um, I'll tell you about how you let me down later <laughs> after this podcast. <laughs> the, thing, the thing about uh, humans is, you know, we, we, will, we will never, we will, ne we will always fall short. We will always fall short. Jesus never has fallen short. He has gone over and beyond to bridge that gap. And, and I think the fact that he has chosen to use people as his vehicle, as his messengers, as his, uh, his vehicle for, for transformation here on earth uh, is a miracle. I mean, how, how wild of an idea to trust untrust or untrustworthy people <laughs> with the most precious thing under heaven. Yeah. And so that helps me uh, both in two things. One, when we gather, we're doing God's business. So when someone has shared something, that needs to be kept in the strictest confidence. Um, there's levels of that. If it's a minor, then we need to bring in the parents, those, those kind of things. But if someone has really been vulnerable and open, care for that person well by keeping that with, with, with that group. So choosing to follow up, to care and not, not share that with others. That's so huge. Um, and then the second thing is, remember, God is 
healing and redeeming. I, I can think of my life times where I was so vulnerable and I was so grateful for a safe place. Uh, God was changing me right then and there in that gathering, yeah. in that yeah. conversation. Um, and so we are seeing heaven touch earth as we gather, imperfect people gather. Um, and so that makes me want to go back even when I do sense that, man, someone was untrustworthy or I, sh I shouldn't have shared shouldn't have gone that far, et cetera. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, God's work is still being done. And even though things don't always work the way I want them to, I trust that God's totally in control. Mm -hmm. so several months ago, I was having uh, coffee with a friend of mine who's been in ministry for a very long, long time. And my question to him was, how have you been in ministry this long and not become cynical? because human beings do hurt people. And especially yeah. he's a pastor, how many times he's probably been hurt mm -hmm. by people. And he had a very, he had an answer that has really shaped the way in which I viewed human relationship. The first thing that he told me was that we all love to quote the scripture that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we oftentimes take that as a past tense, that we sinned in the past yeah. and now go and sin no longer. And he said, we have to understand that that is also a present tense reality. Mm -hmm. That means that we all have sinned, we all are sinning, we all will oh, sin, and we have fallen short of the glory of God. And that releases people from an expectation to be perfect. Yeah. And so it doesn't mean that you go into relationship expecting them to hurt you, mm -hmm. but you go into a relationship understanding that they have sinned, they are sinning, and they will sin. And that is what it, part of what it means to be human. And so it gives people the freedom to be authentically who they are. And sometimes that means that it's going to come with mistakes and it's gonna come with hurt. But we realize that they're showing us and extending us the same grace to be imperfect people. Yeah, I wanna add one thing to that because that's so good. Uh, our savior is Jesus, our savior is not the church. Mm -hmm. So sometimes in my life, I know, especially early on, those guys that God used to bring me into a deep, authentic, devoted relationship with Jesus, they meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. And so I did place expectations yeah. on yeah. them. And so then when they graduated, when they left, you know, they were older older than I was, I did feel like, wait, what, what happened? Mm -hmm. um, well, they were living their life <laughs> and, and going about their business and following where God wanted them to go. And Jesus never changes. The church does, uh, mm -hmm. shifts, different seasons, et cetera. Um, but there's only one Savior, there's only one Lord, and His name is Jesus. So sometimes, especially when we have a close bond or a really close community, we have to remember that that's not who saves. Mm -hmm. It's Jesus who saves, it's Jesus who heals. Um, people will fall short and um, you know we, we need to get better. We need to grow in areas of uh, repentance and transparency and vulnerability and those things. Um, but Jesus never, He never changes. Mm -hmm. I would even add to build off of that, like we can't place that expectation on others to be our savior because Jesus is the only perfect one, but we also then can't play the role Correct. of savior. So, so we have to yeah. take that yep. hat off and very much recognize that that's probably when we cause the most hurt yep. is when we take on the savior complex and we yeah. start trying to save people instead of pointing them to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just love how it's God's design to involve other people in our lives. That this is not just a simple kind of uh, vertical relationship between us and God, but that He 
designed it so that other people are a part of our, our transformation and our sanctification process. And so that that's helpful to me too, that it's actually, it is in my best interest. It's not just a, a have to, but it but it's really the way in which uh, God designed that to be. As we close, I love to dream a little and kind of zoom out and think, what is the significance of a church and even a college ministry that gathers well? What kind of impact does that have on the campus or on the community? Because I know we talked a lot about the individual benefits that gathering well has for us individually, but but what does this look like for a city, for a county, and then for a college campus? Yeah, we'll talk about this in the last week. <laughs> um, my one word answer is contagious. When we are contagious, when other people see what is going on in community, Cypress Creek Church, across talk, in our community groups, and they say, what is going on? I wanna be a part of that. That's when we know it's not us, it's God working through us. And we humble ourselves and we recognize, wow, God, you really are doing something. Please let it, you know, please continue. So Jesus said, uh, by this, they will know me by the way that you love one another. Yeah. Doesn't say yeah. by the way that you love God, it says by the way that you love one another. So that's our job is to love each other well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that uh, the ministries at Texas State really are a powerful representation of this because when I got to Texas State, every college campus I'd ever experienced, college ministries were competitive for students. It was stay away from my people and I'll stay away from your people and don't touch that. That's my guy and you can't use him and all of these things. And the most powerful representation of this is that every Wednesday throughout the school year, all of the college ministers gather together and they pray for the campus of Texas State, that we are for one another. And what I see in that is that contagious aspect, that it's not about me winning and them losing, but it's about making the name of Jesus great on this campus. And that is a contagious thing when you see people coming together with that as the goal, is to see God glorified. Yeah, we're on mission. We're on mission. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Yeah. So um, step one <laughs> in this series and uh, in, in this uh, rhythms that we see the first church live out is is, is to gather, to, to get together. And so I hope that whether you are gathering on Sunday morning or whether um, you have a community group, I hope that you find that richness in your gatherings. If not, check one out. Check one out and see what happens. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.